and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode 45. Let's roll. And uh, we are, like I said, we are in the throes of the Scott Fish Bowl 11. Lots of fun. Uh, the community sort of all gathers around, you know, the campfire and watches uh, watches each other's uh, teams get posted on Twitter. And, you know, everybody uh, is either, you know, making fun of you or, or calling you a genius. And, of course, I'm getting made fun of every year. No, I'm joking. It's it's a lot of fun. It, it's a good it's a good event. And and I just love it. I don't know what the hell it is, but I get very excited. Uh, my guest today is in Scott Fishbowl and has been for a few years. We'll have to ask her exactly how long she's been in. But uh, I am actually delighted to be joined by uh, someone that I've been trying to track down to get on this pod for for a little while. I mean, even though she's a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, I still feel comfortable having her on the airwaves. Although, uh, you know, as a Pats fan, I know we do hold over the Steelers, so I'll try and be nice. But um, that's a hell of an intro. Uh, but Sam Holt is with me today. You can find her at on Twitter at Samantha R. Holt on Twitter. Uh, definitely check her out. She's a real fun follow on Twitter. She deserves to be followed because she's a she's a great fantasy analyst. But more than that, a, a real fun person to kind of uh, follow and be around uh, on social media. So definitely follow Sam Holt. Sam, what is going on? What is going on? Thank you. That was an amazing intro. I didn't realize that we were going to start off on this foot, though, with you as a Pats fan and me over here, a Steeler, that's just sitting there like, wow, I can count on so many hands how many times the Patriots have made me cry over losses. So I just feel better now that you don't have Brady anymore. So neener, neener, you guys suck again. It's yes. just like in Waterboy. We suck again. Like, yes, that's how <laughs> the, the Pats are right now. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yes, look, we suck again. Yes, for sure. No, it's funny because there's certain teams like that that you hold over and like the Patriots hold over the Steelers. Like there's just no doubt. Like even in the playoffs when the Steelers are good, we, we're playing you guys. I'm always just like, we're going to beat them. But then you, you, you have teams like the Giants that hold over the Patriots. Like the Patriots are this yeah. amazing – dynasty and the and the and Eli Manning and the New York Giants just hold over us and like you know stupid Joe Flacco and like just certain you know it's just ridiculous like uh Aaron Rodgers Ben Roethlisberger Peyton Manning nope hold no candle to us Eli Manning Nick Foles and Joe Flacco we've got trouble (laughs) yeah for some reason you guys just look at Eli and Nick and you're like, oh man, we just, we can't, we don't know what we're doing. I'll just, you know, it's like you're holding too many things, too many drinks on a tray and you just spill them. You just see the pretty girl in the bar. And for you, the pretty girl in the bar is Eli Manning or Nick Foles. And you just, <laughs> oh you just crumble. <laughs> Eli Manning, the pretty girl at the bar. I think we have an early favorite for show title. That one was perfect. <laughs> Eli Manning, pretty girl at the bar. Yikes. Um, yep. I did not expect to hear that type of hard-hitting analysis today, but that is exactly why Sam get. Holt is on the show. That's exactly why. That, this is who I am. I'm just going to be love real it. with you guys. This is yes. the level of analytics I bring. <laughs> I just, I'm going to lose like a, so many followers. <laughs> no, hashtag analytics. That's what that was right there. You throw a hashtag on that shit, and it's Eli Manning with his <laughs> crybaby punk face or whatever. It's so funny. Like When he loses, it's just the It's the derpiest the face. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Him and Joe Flacco. And then, like I say, they have to just hold over us. You know, it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But um, Scott Fishbowl, uh, tons of fun. 
I oh, was yeah. peeking at your team. I'm actually going to pull it up because I'm kind of curious. I saw you. I think you. Um, I don't remember what the hell I did with it, but I'm going to look at. Yeah, how are I'm you in doing? The Aerosmith division. What is your strategy and like? How are you doing? What do you love it? Do you just? Is it sort of a guilty pleasure? What are your thoughts? Well, this is the second year I've done Scott Fishbowl. Last year was my first year, and my team was as close to abysmal as could be. It was absolute trash, and I think that I just kind of freaked out in terms of the level of. Um, what everyone was bringing to the table last year. And so I was just too scared to do better there. I don't know. I don't know. I crashed and burned last year. This year is the year of redemption. I'm, I'm the analyst in my league. So I've got a target on my back right away, which is crazy that I'm at that level now, I guess, that I've been doing this long enough that I'm in enough leagues, but it's super fun. The My strategy going into this was to really kind of play and let, let the players kind of fall to me and just let the draft speak to me. Because as I'm looking at everyone else's drafts and seeing what's going, every single league is so different. So there's some yes. drafts where it's absolutely all the quarterbacks are just gone round one. And that wasn't our league. So I, uh, right off the board, I was sitting at four. CMC went first and then Mahomes and Josh Allen and sitting at four, I felt like, okay, if I can get Josh Allen at the four, I will take him because you want a really good quarterback in Scott Fishbowl, you know, hashtag analysis. That's definitely going to help you. So when those two went off the board, I didn't want to, for me, there was a little bit of a teardrop and I wanted to wait on quarterback after that happened. So then I went Dalvin Cook. And what was even better was the next round, Nick Chubb was still sitting there. So I said, screw it. I'm going to go real heavy on my running backs this year because as someone that's been burned by running backs injuries in the past, what's wrong with having two of probably the top running backs in this year's draft right off the board, one-two punch. Love that. Yes. And then I ended up with Matt Ryan as my quarterback, which is fine. And then Same I piece. got Stephon Diggs in the next round, I think. And so yeah. it just I'm looking at it right now. I thought you did really well. Me well. I mean, it is interesting. Like Scott Fishbowl, you know, so I, I've been in it. I did SFB9 and then last year and then this year. So this is my third year only in it. Nice. Um, and in the first two years, I played it super solid. And I just kind of went at it with like, I, honestly, I just didn't want to embarrass myself, which is actually the advice I give people. Like, just don't fucking look like an idiot and it'll yeah. be fine. There's don't 1900 people kicker in the third round. Yes. There was a kicker taken in the first round somewhere. Uh, don't, don't spit your drink out there as you're drinking. Yes. Uh, what? coup. Someone took coup at like eight or nine. I don't know. It's so weird. There's 1900 teams. Someone's bound to do something stupid, either for notoriety or whatever. Yeah, like, that was definitely a bet lost. Yeah, it's dumb. But this year I kind of went and I I, I went kind of off the, you know, off the sort of standard protocol that I would normally have in a draft. But I thought you stuck to it. I thought you did a great job because Thank you. just hitting two running backs early, like you say, gives you a bit of an anchor to feel like, okay, now I can sort of draft whatever position I want. I mean, I of course you have to get some quarterbacks along the way, but there was no like need where you're like, you know, the worst is when you're staring down Zach Moss going, I really need a running back. This is something I need to do here. Like you don't want <laughs> yeah, to have that no, feeling. No. And and honestly, what's what, what I also really like is that the rest of my running backs are kind of shaping out as dart throws that I feel pretty good about. You know, there's got there are guys that if I have to put them in there, they could be good that week. Well, so especially not- J.D. McKissick gives you a little bit of floor. I think. No, it's a good pick. I mean, look, yeah. he could co- totally crap out with Antonio Gibson, like taking a big leap forward. But mm-hmm. JD had well over 100 targets last year. And, you know, if you need to spot start him, I mean, getting five to 10 yeah. targets is going to be just fine. 
He had a, he has a decent floor for yeah. what you're anticipating at that position um, on a bye week or you know if God forbid anything happens to the other guys that well, he'll, he'll you're, be a decent you're dead floor. actually. <laughs> I don't want to be I dead mean, in the water, but you know you, I just also want to be realistic. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to just sort of make it to the playoffs, you could probably scrape your way to the playoffs with J.D. McKissick. But if you're trying to win the whole thing, like ultimately Dalvin and Nick Chubb, really, for the Oof. most part, I mean, unless you get some weird ass cosmic. Yeah, there you go. Doesn't it? They just sound um, good together. They, they yeah, would do a Steph good uh, buddy nice. cop movie together, I think. Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb. I, I love it. And I'm a big fan of Logan Thomas buddy cop movie. Cook and Chubb, uh, for sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, Dalvin and Chubb. I don't know how it works. I'm not a I'm not a buddy cop movie uh, uh, expert. That I'm going to defer to you on this one. Um, but I love what you did too. Like you know, tight end is kind of an important spot, and mm-hmm. you know, Logan Thomas, you grabbed in the seventh round. I thought that was great value. Um, I think with Fitzpatrick, that offense is going to be pretty good. Um, yeah. So I think Logan Thomas was- should see an uptick. I was hoping that I would get Fitzpatrick and I didn't. And he went two picks, I think, before than my next quarterback pick. And I was just like, damn it. That would have been such a nice little stack. little mini combo there, a little yes. stack. Um, so he's someone that for anyone else in Dynasty or, you know, in just late round drafts, like if you want to wait on quarterback, he's someone that is a second quarterback in a super flex league. I'm really high on. I feel like he is, you know going to fall for some people and he's going to also do really well in some drafts and probably go when people are going to reach for him because you know he's going to have a lot of magic this year this is the first time 110 percent. this is his team and so that's a lot of confidence to give to a guy who keeps getting shafted year in and year out by different teams so i'm really excited for him to fully own up this locker room and do some amazing things there i'm with you i i um if you look at his last three seasons he's been actually really good. He's been really yeah, good. He's been like fermenting like a fine wine. He's getting better Absolutely. and the beard is getting bigger. <laughs> yes. And honestly, the DGAF is getting just more and more like he's really finding himself. I mean, he has this ultra confidence, um, which of course shows in the swag that he has going into press oh, yeah. conferences and shit like that. Like, you know, just dress like Conor McGregor and like he, he just has it, man. He just, he, he, uh, he's great. I think Washington, you know, I mean, I've said it multiple times on this pod and, you know, one of my, one of my best friends is a Washington fan and, you know, we, we bet on them 60 to one, uh, to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I think they actually are a good team and I think Fitzpatrick gives them enough variance of upside that he could really hit, you know, be hot at the right time and, 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 and win some playoff games. A hundred percent. I feel like he does hit his stride well. Like when he's in that rhythm, I think he's unstoppable. And when he's got that swagger, he doesn't just have it off the field in, you know, press conferences. He has it on the field with his team and he hypes his teammates up and you can see the energy shifts. And if you're looking at a team that's looking for an energy shift like that, that kind of presence, Washington is a place that absolutely needs it. And they have an amazing young, very, very young defense that's also going to be a huge anchor for him and do a lot in terms of managing play clock and being able to open up opportunities for him to do some pretty amazing things. So I'm excited to see what they can put together because I think that they can win the division. Yeah, and Fitzpatrick also has sneaky rushing upside. Like, yeah. you know, in the last three years, so in 2018, he only he only played, well, started seven games. And then in 2020, he only started seven games. So, you know, you'd have to double up that those seasons. 
but he had a hundred over 150 yards rushing in those seven games in each each of those two seasons. And then in 19, he, he started 13 games and had 243. He's had multiple rushing touchdowns each of the last three seasons. Um, he he could see 300 yards and four or five rushing touchdowns as well, which uh, definitely adds to his value. But it also adds to that swag factor. So if we're talking about you know fantasy football. You know, the rushing upside is great just to give him a little bit of extra fantasy points on a weekly basis. But on the real football side, like he'll extend a, a, a series or a drive with a pretty ballsy, you know, run for first down, um, yeah. you know, and you're like, fuck, that guy just did that to us. Like, yes, he will. He did. And he laughed at you with his giant beard. So it's like yes, he did. crazy man that just looks like a hobo that just found a jersey. And he's just also laughing at you while he's taking it to the end zone. So he's he's just uh, he's a, such a fun player to watch. So I'm just excited for him this season just to see a happy Fitzpatrick getting into this and getting into the mix with such young, amazing players. Uh, another show title, the Ryan Fitzpatrick Harvard hobo uh, also <laughs> making a run. Unbelievable. Yes. I mean, normally we're reaching for show titles this week. Uh, they're just they're just popping off. And I think that's just because Sam is that good. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's it's true. I can't I can't help it. But yeah, um, you know, heading back to what you did, though, I thought you did a great job with, you know, your your quarterbacks, you know, Matt Ryan. I also have Matt Ryan. Of course, I stacked him with Kyle Pitts, which I feel really good well, about. You that's know, I think delightful. We're, it that's really is. Nice. We were talking. Uh, was it pre-show? Now, you know, I'm I'm a little I'm a little um, messed up. Uh, we were talking about who. It, oh yeah, Tevin Coleman. How it yeah. does not feel good to draft him. Kyle no, Pitts is the opposite falling. of that. He feels really good to press the button for. That much I can tell you. That I can't like. I feel like there's fewer, very few things that are more satisfying than hitting draft on Kyle Pitts. <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you. I took him like ten spots over ADP, and I was like, I didn't give a fuck. I was like, click. <laughs> Kyle Pitts, hey, like you know, Scott Fish Bowl is the kind of draft where you, if you're not taking risks, yes, then you're not going to win. You're just not. And yeah. I'm very grateful I got to be on two podcasts this week that Scott Fish was actually on, and so it was something that he kept reiterating as well in terms of you know everyone's going to him for advice and how to get the edge in this draft. And it's like if you do a safe draft, you're probably not going to win. But if you no. go out and you make crazy picks you might just have the player at the end of the season that we're all looking back on saying this. If you had this player on your team, you are likely in the championship. You're likely playing for this. Like, so yeah. if you don't you, take you, those risks, then you're not going to win. You need a good team, but you need a unique team, right? Like yes. obviously if there's a hundred other teams identical to yours, then you're already one in a hundred. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, you know, so, but if you have a team where really that build or that basically identical sort of structure and, sort of player combo is so unique, then there's a possibility it's the it's the it's the right code, right? You're basically trying yeah. to crack the lock on a safe. And, you know, yeah, of course you, you know, like I said, the first two years I didn't do that. I didn't do that at all. I was just like, I was so solid. I felt really good. I made the playoffs both years. Um, you know, dealt with injuries, played waiver wire well, although I made a mistake not getting James Robinson. I pro I swear I could have won that. I, I can track back my first my first uh, Scott Fishbowl, Scott Fishbowl 9, I've, I've said this on the air before. I had a dope team. I fucking killed it. The only mistakes I made were at quarterback where – now you remember, that was 19. That was when Lamar Jackson was not yet known. Like we didn't yeah. know he was going to be the MVP. And I was on the clock and I took two quarterbacks 
and I passed on two quarterbacks. The two quarterbacks I passed on were Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. And the two quarterbacks I drafted, sorry, in advance was Ben Roethlisberger and uh, Jared Goff. And yeah. Now remember, Jared Goff was coming off a big year. Like, so that was like, you know, but it just was like, oh my God. Like, I swear if I had Dak and and Lamar, probably, I don't know if I win it, but like very well could have. Like I had a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a chance. Way better. Yeah. 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 (laughs) In hindsight, right? Hindsight is 2020. That's all we can say on that one. (laughs) Yeah. When (laughs) when in doubt, don't draft Jared Goff, I think was the, uh, you know, the lesson learned if if there was one. But uh, 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 getting back to it, you you draft Matt Ryan, Mm -hmm. you grab Justin Fields, who, by the way, I do think is going to start week one. But if he doesn't, you sort of insulate your quarterback position with another guy that I I think is going to start week one, but may not start the whole season, and that's Cam Newton. But yep. also a real solid floor, feel good putting him at QB2 in any lineup ever, like just because he's going to run for 100 yards and a touchdown. So you've yeah, got that. That was my like, 100% my thought process was I, I like Justin Fields. I feel like if he doesn't start week one, I'm, I'm predicting at least he starts week four. So yeah. then my thought was, okay, who am I okay with starting for the first four weeks? And Cam is, is the guy for me. I mean, he's got a good rushing floor, um, you know, He's got to get better. He can't be worse than he was last year or the year before that. He's got to keep getting better. I mean, I maybe I'm just an ever optimist in terms of Cam. You know, whenever someone gets hurt, I always would love to see them come back 110 percent and, you know, outplay their previous uh, best season ever. So I I'm, I have a good hope for him. But if at the very least, he has a very safe floor. So I'm happy with that. I'm OK with having him the first couple of weeks if I can't have Justin Fields. And then when I do get Justin Fields, yippee. Yeah, exactly. And and I did the same type of thing. I, I took Trey Lance, not Justin Fields. I felt like the yep. ceiling was a little bit higher, mm-hmm. um, but I love the uh, Justin Fields pick. I just I did the same thing. I went back to back with Matt Ryan, Trey Lance, where you went, Matt Ryan, um, Justin Fields. And I did the same thing in rounds four and five where, you know, you, you take the solid and you take the upside. And Matt Ryan was sitting there at 411 for me, which was pretty late. Really yeah. happy to see that kind of value there, especially after I had taken – Kyle Pitts, uh, yeah. round three. So I went Waller, Kamara, Pitts, those two quarterbacks, and then Javante Williams and Mike Davis. And I'm sitting there in, in round eight with zero wide receivers. Um, wow. Yeah. So but I there's had zero- so much depth at wide receiver. There's so much depth. So I'm sure you, like, for a second, you're like, wait, I don't have any. And then you looked at who was available, and you're like, oh, I'm fine. It's, it's a, you know, I in a lot of leagues, I, I picked at 8, 11, 9, 2. In a lot of leagues, uh, T Higgins and Cortland Sutton were available in those two spots. And if I could have drafted Cortland Sutton and T Higgins, I would have, and I was super excited to do that. Um, you know, I thought Claypool and Juju and Deontay would kind of push them to me or whatever. And as it turned out, I didn't get what I wanted, but still I picked five wide receivers in a row starting in eight in round eight. And it was Odell Chark, Will Fuller, Michael Gallup and Rashad Bateman, who, sorry, I know you don't like. It's not that I don't like him. I just, I don't see amazing things in his future. Like, I mean, maybe like on a personal level, he'll, he'll, he's going to live an amazing life and, you know, have a big family and be a very happy guy. But in terms of fantasy value, I just don't see it in the cards, at least not this year. (laughs) I've been very skeptical. I was a big Rashad Bateman fan uh, coming out, like as a prospect before draft landing spot. And, you know, we've, we've let draft landing spot hurt us in the past with AJ Brown. I don't know that Rashad Bateman is an AJ Brown level prospect, but 
I don't know that he's not either. I mean, I think he's a different player. He's more of a Justin Jefferson type player, not an A.J. Brown type player. But you're right, that offense is scary. It has not really supported a wide receiver. You know, the the the, the counter to that uh, would be, well, they haven't had a fucking wide receiver. It was, you know, um, just nobody after nobody surrounding a, a field stretcher in Marquise Brown. They really haven't had, you know, anybody. Uh, Willie Sneed isn't the answer, you know? No, Willie Sneed's never the answer. I think we all know that. But the thing with Marquise Brown is they thought he was the answer. So I think that any player could be the answer, but I think it's like the Ravens are trying to be a team that they're not. And I've said this before in other shows. It's like they're trying to make fetch happen, like a Mean Girls reference for you right there. Like they're trying to make the receiving game happen, and it's just not going to happen for them. They're just such a rushing team that it's like, why are you trying to be something you're not? Like, you don't need to do it. You're doing just fine. You have a great defense. You have a really amazing rushing floor. It's just like a sprinkling of receiving that you even need. And just give it to Mark Andrews because that's really your guy. He's your guy. Just stop trying to be something you're not. And I just, for me, I feel like his floor is much lower as a result of being such a run-heavy team that, I just don't see it being amazing for him. Yeah, no, I totally I totally agree, especially like whenever you do projections, it's very very hard to get enough uh project uh targets to anybody in that passing game, uh let alone sort of spreading it out. If you have Marquise Brown who saw 100 targets last year, you know, they bring in Sammy Watkins who look, he's he not answer? good. He's not good, but <laughs> he's better than like literally everybody else they had on that squad, maybe outside of Marquise Brown at wide receiver last year. So he is an upgrade there. And of course, Rashad Bateman. The one thing I'd push back with you is we'll see if they think they're a running team or a passing team. But I will say in the playoffs, they needed some passing game and they didn't have it. And they did not yeah. have reliable wide receivers that either A got open or B could catch the ball. And that really hurt Lamar Jackson. Um, Nobody's going to confuse him with Tom Brady out there, but honestly, they don't have to. I mean, he has to make a couple of throws a game, and if he has a couple of opportunities to a, to a guy like Rashad Bateman, that's going to help them. Real football talk. But I just said only a couple of opportunities. Yeah, and that's where you the, kind of you kind yeah, of shot that right in the foot right there when you said a couple. Like that's not that's not bingo. enough to feed all the mouths that you need to feed when it comes to your fantasy league. I agree. So the Rashad Bateman situation is one of those where I'm like. I'm not sure either. It's it's really a, an interesting bet, and it's a really interesting spot because you love the player. I mean, I don't know. It, it, you, I, I would bet against it if I was betting against anything, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, hopefully – hey, I don't mind being wrong on – on a rookie talent like that and then people get amazing value for him later and then he becomes an amazing trade asset or someone that becomes a fixture of your dynasty team i don't feel bad when i get those calls wrong i love to be proven wrong that's great it's also fun when you're proven right so i i win-win both ways it's always fun like i Be- like to i like seeing people right. succeed so it, it's fine it's better to be right 100 be right. but yeah, i just enjoy no. the game and enjoy watching it too much to really get that butt hurt over anything Absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, there was uh, I had Nikhil Harry over everybody. I had him as my WR one in that in that draft class. And, you know, oh, my gosh, wait. Pe- there- yeah, I mean, it happens. I've I got mean, a story. I've go for got it. a story on Nikhil Harry. Oh, this <laughs> is going to hurt. Maybe this is this is going to be fun. So in this in this rookie draft I had in my dynasty, league, my longstanding dynasty league. I think we're pushing 10 seasons together. We've been together since college. We, it's a huge, amazing dynasty league. I love these guys. They're 
if I ever get married, it's not going to be me and bridesmaids up there. It's going to be me and my fantasy football league all just deep. It's, it's a great league. Great friends. But this year I got, in that time, I got the first round pick in the draft and I had the third overall pick. So I took Josh Jacobs with the one overall. I forget, I think, I think was it Montgomery in that draft class as well? Montgomery and, then, and Sanders, yep. Yeah, so Montgomery went second and then I was trade negotiating for the third because I was like, I got my guy, I'm happy. Like, what can I get else with this pick? And someone traded me so that they could take Nikhil Harry third. And what I got was Aaron Jones and Jared Goff and I think a second round draft pick and then another guy. But like, it was such a beautiful trade for me. And then I won the championship the following year as a result of having both of those guys on my dynasty team. So it's like, thank you. That was very nice of you to give me Aaron Jones for Nikhil Harry. I think I kind of won in that situation. Yeah, I uh, I had Nikhil Harry as my WR1 and this is a true story too. Uh I so he's my WR1 and then the Patriots draft him and I immediately start going, "Oh, hmm. Hmm. I like it's just there there's a certain hmm. like you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. If if they draft a wide receiver, we automatically all think, "Oh, he's going to be great." Like I don't even know this guy, Deontay Johnson, yeah. never heard of him. He's going to be awesome. And yeah. the Patriots could draft like who met, like it was Nikhil Harry. It was like WR1 for many of us, certainly a top five for almost every draft analyst. You know, he was a good wide receiver. He's absolute dog shit in New England, and you sort of smelled it coming. It's brutal. As a, as a Pats fan, I'm sure you see that happen, and you're just like, no, you ruined it. Yeah, you ruined it. They ruined it. Yeah, we knew it was going to be bad. And um, there was a little bit of hope, but – I mean, even even Brady, you know, with rookie players in general, he has a hard time with unless they're really special. And when I say special, I mean like smart, like yeah, that, you know, cerebral cerebral players. Then he kind of will jive with them. And he actually yeah. had a better relationship with Jacoby Myers, who actually may be a better football player <laughs> as it probably stands now. So, um, but I remember I had a I had a draft where I picked fifth and. Um, you know, Nikhil Harry was my pick and I was trying to trade the hell out of there. Ended up taking him in that one spot. I mean, really, I was I was fading back and I wasn't I wasn't certain in a lot of drafts once it came draft time. During the process, I had a little bit of a love affair with Nikhil Harry. But, you know, as it got a little bit further along, I started to pull back and, you know, I, I bought him in a few leagues the next year as a post hype and sold him in others. Like, you know, I was definitely transacting with him because I felt really really unsure about his future. And now uh, he, he demanded a trade uh, through his agent. And uh, I think it's the best thing that can happen for both parties is if they move on. I was saying that earlier in the off season on this pod that, you know, Nikhil Harry needs to go somewhere else and he may suck, but he needs to find out on a different team. I think that when, when that happens with a player and, you know, you just see the chemistry is just not there the best thing for both parties, 100%, is when they move on from each other because, you know, maybe it's that he is not paired with the right coordinator, the right, you know, special teams coach to help bring out the next level that he needs to tap into. So uh, these players are kind of learning, obviously, as they go, and they're all going to keep developing and getting better in different ways. And if they just don't have that opportunity, it's just really sad to see them kind of wilt away and not be what they could be, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. And yeah, I think, um, I, I, I think he's probably not 
the guy. We've seen enough, but um, he could be, you know, he could be a little bit of a, you know, a, a, a he could still be a pro. He, you know, he could still get another contract. It's still possible that he's, you know, better than what he's shown so far. But I'd love to get into something. You mentioned that you're in, you know, a dynasty league that you love. And uh, mm-hmm. this is a dynasty show. I, I definitely take it all over the place with, you know, my guests because I, I don't like to just talk about stuff that they may not not know as well. But you're a dynasty fan. And one thing that I, you know, I felt when I found dynasty was, you know, I love fantasy football, but fantasy football, you know, redraft to dynasty was like the most, I, I don't know. I just was so happy when I found it. It's, it absolutely is my calling, you know, and, and, and I love it. Did you have a similar experience or is, or do you prefer redraft and uh, dynasty similarly? I definitely appreciate them each for what they are. I definitely appreciate them separately. The league that I was mentioning, the one that I've been in the longest with this group of friends, it was redraft when it started. And then the team, we just kept drafting together. And then we're like, you guys want to do this keeper? And then we're like, well, what else is there? Because if we're going to take this next level, let's really take it to the next level. And every year since we've added a new level of rules to it. And to me, every time we add another layer to that onion of madness in terms of everything in this league, we have a rookie draft. It is a salary based league. It it has 13 keeper spots. We have a full IDP roster. Hmm. It's super flex. It's now, I think, half point PPR just because we're like, nah, we're not ready for the full point yet. But for some reason, we just keep adding all these different things. And it makes it so much fun every single year to have, be able to trade, you know, free agency cash, trade draft picks. Um, we have certain salary caps and years attached to each contract. So if I know I had Julio Jones for one more year and I'm stuck with him one more year because I extended his contract and that means I can't drop him this year. It just adds another level of crazy that makes it so much more fun to keep up with than just your standard redraft, which is fun also. Like I enjoy a redraft league like anybody else. It definitely is fun to just kind of roll the dice every year and play with it. But what's different with dynasty is, this is your team. This is you. You are growing this team and yes. holding on to it. And however you are developing that dynasty team, if you have three keepers, if you have 13, like I do, it just adds another level of fun and competition that makes it so much more fun and so much better when you win as well. No doubt. I agree with everything you just said. I mean, I, I love dynasty because, <clears throat> you know, we've all, I think as sports fans, we always criticize the GM, like, Oh, why did he draft this guy, or why did he trade that guy? I mean, there's so much of that in the in the in the you know in the sphere of sports, like just yep. criticism of coach and GM and ownership and all the rest of it. And I grew up playing you know Madden on on uh, video games, you know, and and as soon as franchise mode came out, it was like that was the that was the shit for me. It was able to scout <laughs> players and draft and trade. Like to me, that the the transactions are so much fun, and you know, there's trade addicts and trade, you know, trade holics and all these sort of, you know, everybody's, oh, yeah. you know, literally addicted to making trades. I mean, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the Dave Chappelle, you know, crackhead meme shows up all the time when you're looking for trades. It's like, you know, it's, it's completely this thing that we're all super excited and addicted. And in redraft, there's seldom trades. You know, I, I know some leagues maybe, but the vast majority of redraft leagues I've ever played in trades are, usually not happening and few and far between. I don't know. Like I love the trade. Yeah. So for me, like the whole transaction and 
you know, even if I have a quote unquote bad team or a team that didn't perform this year, I can have a plan with it. And speaking of which, I th- one thing that you had mentioned as we were chit chatting before the show was that you want to talk about dynasty startup a little bit. Uh, I, I love talking dynasty startup strategy because I think once you start talking about dynasty startup strategy, you're really just talking about dynasty strategy because, you know, yeah. the startup is just the first step of actually the whole fucking thing. You know, it's not like yeah. it's own, it's its own thing. It's it's literally, you know, everything else should be sort of predicated on what the hell you're doing there. Um, and I think, you know, I'll let you take the floor after this. But for me, I you know, I wrote an article, you know, Dynasty Game Theory, Dynasty Startup Strategy. Like, I feel like I have a, a, a way that I generally do it. But I... I am I am malleable. I am flexible. If everybody is, you know, trying to do what I'm doing, maybe I would go the other way because the value would change or whatever. But ultimately, my number one thing is you should have a plan and every decision and transaction and draft pick should uh fit that plan. Uh and if if a a player that you weren't expecting to be available is available and he poses a great value and it doesn't fit that plan, you should maybe consider trading that player or changing your fucking plan. But you know, like you should have a plan. Uh, What do you say to that genius fucking statement I just made there? Well, I definitely think that if you're, especially in the full on startup, you have to have a plan going into it. And I feel like the main first thing to tick off the box is, am I trying to win this year or am I trying to win and create something that's going to have my name on that trophy for a couple years in a row. And I think there's a very big difference between those two things. Cause you, yep. there's a lot of people that'll do a startup dynasty and they will draft it like any other redraft league. And yep. that's fine. It is that's fine. totally fine. But that means that you have to look at that and say, okay, I can see what they're doing. I'm going to obviously have to push and do the opposite because I need to build for longevity. I want to be with this team for, for a long time. And I, in order to have that growth, I have to look at even how the NFL has changed. The NFL has changed itself over the last 10 years in terms of the types of players that we have drastically. You no longer can have, in fantasy at least, a quarterback that just sits back, drops back, and passes. I love you, Ben, but your time is about to be over in terms of the type of player that you are, the type of quarterback you are. In order to be successful, you have to have one of these quarterbacks that has it all, that can scramble, that can get you the rushing floor, that can also have those long passes, and it's the type of players are changing and even the types of running backs are changing. The types of receivers are changing. Receivers are looking like tight ends out there. They're huge. Like AJ Brown, we were just talking about him off air as well. I mean, he's an insane talent, but you have to look at how these players are coming out of college and how they're changing the position and how that's going to affect your dynasty team, because that's going to also change the way that you scout them as well. So for me, Starting off, if I see someone that's going to go crazy and try and just win for this year, they're going to draft my, they're going to draft Mahomes, they're going to draft, uh, maybe they're going to take Zeke. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm going to wait and I'm going to take other players. I'm going to maybe look for someone. I'm I'm going to go for a Justin Herbert. I'm going to not be so worried that he's probably going to drop off a little bit in terms of volume this year because he's so young. He's got a lot of ceiling to hit later, and you know he has that potential because of what he gave you last year. I'm obviously going to wait on receiver, but when I end up there, I'm going to get a lot of targets and like these dart throw young receivers. I'm excited for the Jamar chases. I'm excited to see what they can do in their careers. You know, If Stephon Diggs ends up falling a little bit, I'm going to go ahead and grab him because I still think he's going to have a really great career there with the Bills. So you just have to, I love what you said, you have to kind of adapt and make sure you have a plan, but also if you see everyone else is doing something, 
it's good to do the opposite. You want to be that difference maker in a dynasty league specifically because you're not necessarily going for winning this year. You're going for the long term. Yeah, and I found, you know, I I talked to Scott Connor on his podcast and you know, he 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 it was a great pod, man. Uh go check that one out. That was a, that was a fucking great pod. Um he he basically just kept grilling me about uh dynasty and you know, real real strategy based and you know, it was about an hour and a half of just rapid fire all that. It was it was pretty cool. But one of the things that we talked about was like he he said, "Do you find it hard now?" with the changing of dynasty that it's like my, my strategy is to sort of trade back, you know, I trade my first round pick and I'll move back either a little bit or a lot. But if I do it a little bit, it's going to be a lot of times. If I do it a lot, I'm going to ask for a lot. So I'm moving back and Mm -hmm. in moving back, I'm going to, you know, uh, continue to gain assets, uh, specifically future first is what I'm looking to add to the, the pie. And he said, is it harder to do that now? Because that's such a, uh, 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 a strategy that people are adopting. And I said, well, I said, you have to remember that we, and maybe you do play in a lot of leagues with other sharps, but a lot of people, it sounds like you also have a home league and I have some as well, home dynasty leagues where they're not as sharp. So therefore this strategy and, and a lot of our listeners, most of our listeners, maybe they're the only guy or girl in their league who listen to this stuff and everybody else is, you know, just watching ESPN, you know? And so mm-hmm. they're, they're getting this advantage of understanding the deep nuances of, of this strategy. So it still works for them. Do you find though that uh, in playing with other sharps, if you do so, that some of the things that work in your home league just don't work there? You know what I mean? Um, a thousand percent. They're completely different. Um, yeah. I will say that uh, I'm I'm very grateful for for that big dynasty league that I have. I mean, yes, I am the only one that does this in their free time, but and it, depending on the life that they're living that year, you know, some of them they've gone and gotten married, so they're busy like planning a wedding for the year, so they're out, and then you can tell by how they finish in dynasty that year that yes. they were busy and doing other things, um, and you know. It, I'll leave my personal life out of it, but there's reasons why I win because I have lots of other stuff I can focus on, like football, um, which makes it fun. But, um, anyways, and Sam is currently. I, I I can see her. You guys all can't. She's at, in a house. There's like I I don't know. Let me just count real quick. Uh, quick count. Twenty five cats. That's all I see. There's there's actually one very asleep cat right next to me. He's a very, <laughs> he, he always is like right next to me when I'm recording and I'm lucky he's asleep. Otherwise he's trying to attack the mic. So it's just, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah, there are zero fine. cats. I can't see a single cat. I was just trying to let you know that she's, you know, very lonely sitting at home with 25 cats, feeding them various different, they all have their own I diet. We were friends. <laughs> so oh, <mean>. no, uh, <laughs> I'm only teasing. No, I mean, no, you know, I'm in my good. mom's basement. How much worse could this be? I'm, I'm a 40 year old man in my mom's basement. I mean, I'm, I'm easy pickings. No, go ahead. This is not my, this is not no, my no. mom's only house. All right. <laughs> go ahead. You're good. But no, when I, when I'm playing in leagues where I'm with other analysts, I can tell when everyone's employing their own strategy. And I think that there's, thankfully enough strategies kind of to go around that 
we're not all doing the same thing. And a lot of people that I run into, they try, and I'm in some leagues with the same person. I can see them opting two very different strategies in each Mm. league. And I think that's really smart. I like to try different strategies in all the leagues that I'm in because you never know what you're going to get. Why would I want to have the same team across five different dynasty teams? If it's five crappy teams, I'm not going to be a very happy person. So in one league, it was a startup last year as a result of COVID and we were all bored and trying to just do more drafts like everyone does. Yes. In that league, I drafted. I didn't love my team, so I traded away all of my players, just all of them. I had just a garbage team, but I had like 10 first round picks, like a ridiculous number of first round picks. And I've just got all the rookies and now everyone's trying to trade to get my rookies. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to have the young team and I'm fine with it. (laughs) So it's my team. You can't have it like, no. So that's what I'm doing with that league. And it makes it really fun for me. (laughs) Sam, that's actually one of Dynasty Game Theory 101 strategies is that you want to stack your assets so that they hit at a Mm -hmm. similar point, right? That doesn't mean specifically that you only want to uh, take players who are in the same draft class, but you know, to have Melvin Gordon and Travis Etienne, it's like, yeah, they both suck. You know, one is just over the prime. One is just before the prime. Yeah. He's going to be gone. And you didn't get it like that doesn't work. But you, if, if you have, you know, you know, Miles Sanders, Jacobs, and, and Monty, that, and that's one of the worst draft classes out there. They're kind of all supposed to be good. That Well, Jacobs, pour one out, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like you take, you know, if you have Dalvin, Mixon, CMC, or whatever, you know, if you have everybody sort of hitting their stride at that same time, uh, it, it, it pans out. So, yeah, having 10 uh, first-round draft picks in one or two years is going to give you – I don't know, five or six players, cornerstone players who are going to be, you know, presumably, I mean, you could have 10, you could have zero. I mean, it's possible, but yeah, I mean, they could all presumably suck, about <laughs> what's that. They could all end up sucking and then I'm just really screwed, but no, exactly. but you're, you're stacking your odds and trying to see, okay, if based on this amount of players, which are going to become the ones that are a fixture of your offense. Yes for multiple years, not just one. And I love what you said. Like, it's not about having Melvin Gordon and ETN. Like, eh, like, I don't want that. Like, <laughs> right. like he's going out, he's coming in. He doesn't know what he's doing. Like, I don't, I don't want that mix. Don't give me that. But what I do love is when you get those young guys and you've got a couple years younger than Melvin Gordon, you've got maybe an Austin Eckler in there that I think still has, you know, potential to do amazing things because he's paired with Justin Herbert. You have to also see the teams that they're being paired with. So if you've got, you know, young offensive players that are also with, you know, quarterbacks that are hitting their stride or just about to hit their stride, you've got a really good potential right there with that little mix because if they're starting to hit the, you know, the coming up and doing better, that's one positive you can say about Lamar Jackson you know, with Bateman is you've got this young rookie who's got Jackson, who's going to keep trying and keep trying to get that receiving game going. And if he's just the right guy that happened to come in, that's a great train to be on. So that is a positive. See, I can be positive about a Raven. I can. There you go. Nicely Um, done. But it's, you've got to get that mix. And in order to try that, you have to try different things in all your leagues. So that's why I like to, in that league, I, I blew it up to just create all my first round picks I'm very happy. Now everyone's trying to get my picks and it's like, no, I'm just going to be a curmudgeon over here and hold on to all my young players. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys didn't see that, but she actually gave me the finger there. I'm not even in the league. <laughs> She's getting fired up. This is fantastic. I'm getting her fired up. 
Um, we're having a lot of fun. It's true though. You know, I think a lot of times when you're in one dynasty league, one of the problems is, is that you fall in love with all your quote unquote guys. You know, you're like, no, oh, this yeah, is my, my team. When you're mm-hmm. in multiple, you start understanding like, actually that guy sucks. And I do own him in two of my five leagues or whatever. Like, you know, whereas if you had yeah. only one league, it's really hard to self-evaluate. And I think that's the it first is. thing that you have to do is self-evaluate your team. Even like you did brilliantly, I might add, I didn't see the team, but right after the draft realizing now nah, this ain't it. I fucked this yeah. up. Like this ain't yeah. winning this year. So, you know, you just take all my dudes and like, let me just reset this a little bit. And yeah. that's smart. You know, it, I mean, I'd rather do that than try and make something work that I don't think is going to be successful that year, because then yes. that's happened to me before where it's like, no, it's going to be OK. No, it's not like there, things <laughs> aren't not. going to get better right. magically all the time. If you take players that you think, OK, if all of the right things happen for all of them, <laughs> then we'll be great. You can yeah. do that with like two guys. You can't do that with an entire roster. You're not going right. to have success. You're just not. So that's why I did. I saw it and I was like, nope just like blow up the whole team. It's really commendable, Sam, because I'll tell you right now, like people who take over orphans, myself included, can do that. I can come into an Mm -hmm. orphan and be like, this fucking sucks. Look, whoever put this together is an idiot. And you can go in there and (laughs) fix it. But when you've done it yourself, there's this sort of hubris that we all have. And it's like, no, this is going to work. Damn it. I fucking know what I'm doing. And, you know, and you were smart enough. Honestly, I, I give you a lot of credit because I know that, I probably am guilty of this and I, I'd have to go look at a team, but where I've just was like, this is going to, and I probably should blow it up. I'm, I'm thinking of one team in particular and I'm not going to tell which one it is. Cause all y'all can fuck yourself. If you're in that league. Cause I know you're listening, you sons of bitches, but um, <laughs> you know, it's just middling. It's not even bad. It's actually the, the bad team. It's harder to do something with, but when you have a middling team, it's like now you at least have assets to sell, to get mm-hmm. yourself to be good going forward. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's important in Dynasty to recognize that you can have that. Like, it's not going to be the worst thing in the world if you don't make playoffs. It's not going to be the worst thing in the world if you have to play for the Sacco. Some people have to do it. Hopefully you don't get it. But sometimes that's just the year that you have, because guess what? You're going to hopefully get a better draft pick as a result of it. It's not like you're trying to tank, but it's just understanding this ain't my year, you know? Right. And when you can recognize that and also take advantage of the people that are in that middle that are trying to win. That's something that you also have to recognize because if they're not being smart about how they see their team, you can take advantage of that and make a good trade for someone that maybe got hurt. That's not going to be hurt forever. And then you get them next year. So that's right. You you have to be able to see that. Yeah. Last year it was Cortland Sutton, Saquon Barkley, Dak Prescott trading for those guys uh, during the season when you're, when you're not there and you're just like, I'll give you, player X who's in the same range as Cortland Sutton, whoever you think that is, you know, whatever. And you give me Cortland Sutton back plus a second or sometimes maybe more because of course they're, they're sitting on Sutton going, he's fucking broken. He's not going to do shit this year. Who knows if he's going to be good next year. And you're able to, you know, give up a player who you see as similar, same, no diff. And you're not doing anything this year. Mm -hmm. You get Sutton next year. Same thing. Plus you've added, added, and, and there's also a hidden benefit to that too. By bringing on the shitty play or the hurt player, it makes your team more shitty, which makes your pick better as well. So it's the, it's, it's how you properly tank without being the, the old bitch tank where you actually sit your players. Uh, no, true, yeah. right? Nobody the way you tank ne- is by actually 
playing yeah. the best roster, but it's just bad. <laughs> yeah, that tank like a champion, like tank like, tank like you know, you've got some honor, like actually fall on your sword with, you know, a, the smile on your face, looking to the distance, like next year's my year and then do it. But <laughs> yeah. like, don't be the guy that just doesn't start players like nobody likes that guy. No, nobody does. I, I am. I commission a league where everything's legal like the rules are the rules like there's no no tanking thing like i just never dreamed someone would do it and last year this guy did it this is hysterical by the way wow i can't believe this actually happened this is real this is a home league so this is unbelievable you can't even believe it those listening super flex super flex league so he's tanking and we're like tanking for trevor unbelievable you're a complete bitch but you're doing it you're gonna get trevor lawrence good for you 1.01 he's on the clock he pushes the button for Najee Harris. Yes. I mean. <laughs> we were just like, what the fuck? 1.02 had a party. Yeah, I'm sure 102 was just like, like they needed to be resuscitated. They were just grateful <laughs> to get Trevor. But at the same time, I don't know who he has. I don't know who his quarterbacks were. No, it's Maybe a dog he was shit just team. like. It's, if it's if it needed a complete rebuild, then he messed up a hundred percent. You need yes. that young quarterback to come in and fix your entire roster. Um, but I am biased, and I'm very excited about Najee Harris this year. <laughs> We're gonna get there too. We you saw oh, sure Najee on yeah. the show sheet. As a matter of fact, uh, Sam had actually declined being on the show, and I just kept sending her show sheets until one stuck. This one with Najee on there actually made her want to come on the show. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. That's not true. It's not true. <laughs> It's not true at all. <laughs> don't don't get the wrong idea. Um, so Najee wasn't on the show sheet. No, I'm joking. Um, so no, but we're gonna get there. And 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 Najee uh, is exactly where we're going because we were gonna talk about rookies and and um, you know one of the rookies that I drafted in my Scott Fishbowl team who I think we got uh, yeah there was a uh, I, I sent some stupid fucking tweet about the six eleven crew because there was a bunch of us who drafted them three undroppables myself. Dan at AWL and Brad Wire, our offensive line guy, all drafted him at six six eleven. Um, you know, and then a few other guys that we knew. And so we just sort of I sent this tweet that we all took him at six six eleven. So six round eleventh pick. That's pretty late for Javante Williams. And I am very, very excited about Javante Williams. Um, his profile is very enticing for me. Um, I think he's at least a David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs player, if not more. Uh, I don't think he's all the way up to a Nick Chubb level prospect, but I think Javante Williams is a really uh, strong prospect coming in. I think that there's been some some noise about him already supplanting uh, Melvin Gordon as the lead back in that offense. And if we knew right now, if we just knew that Javante was going to be the lead back in that offense, He's a third round pick in in a, in a in a redraft setting. He's certainly not six eleven. So I think the yeah. upside for him at six eleven was huge. What are your thoughts on Javante Williams? And uh, if you have rankings or whatever, where did you have him in your running back rankings? I, I don't have my rankings fully set yet, um, but. I appreciate being called out for not doing my homework. I, I I am a bit of a procrastinator when it comes to rankings. No, no, I, I do I didn't like mean to for, look at the I, news too long. <laughs> no, I didn't mean for redraft like that. I meant for rookies. Uh, for rookies, so like for rookies, yeah, no, for, for Najee, rookies, he's, Etienne. He's still, where'd you have him? I mean, he's. I have him after. 
I go back and forth between him and ETN, to be honest, yeah. for that exact reason, because I don't have the confidence in Melvin Gordon um, that others might. And I always feel bad when I think of players, you know, it's like past their prime and moving on into their later days. But unfortunately, I feel like that's where we are with Melvin Gordon. And that's where we are kind of, you know, with the Broncos. They need to move on from certain things. And if they want to be successful and... It's great that he's there. He's he's a body to do a job, but Javante Williams, I agree, he's going to be an amazing talent. And, you know, if he's going to win this job outright by the end of training camp and by the end of the preseason, you got him in the sixth round. That is an amazing value, uh, having a running back one to start the season. That is huge. You cannot ignore the value there in having a running back one and on any offense that's going to be run heavy in the slightest. And the Broncos do like to be a run heavy team. They do like to be a team that is successful in the run. They like to be a balanced team. I mean, over the course of history, I don't really know what they're doing right now. I think they still haven't figured <laughs> right. it out, but at least they can try and figure it out with a talented back like Javante Williams. No, I think you're right on the money. I mean, you know, Javante for me, just, I, he, he just checks so many boxes in you know, what I look at, and quite frankly, what a lot of others look at too. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people I, I like and trust who felt pretty strongly about Javante coming out. Um, you know, I, I look at the body. I want to have a guy who's in that 5'9", about as short as I want him to be. Generally 5'10", 5'11", 215 to 225. That's kind of the sweet spot for a running back. That's the That's the running back body you want to see. That's you know, the Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, you know, that's just Saquon. Like, that's the guy you want to see. He's certainly Nick Chubb, obviously, you know, that's that's what he's got. I mean, he, he was a little light at his way in, but who knows, man, fucking COVID offseason. I mean, I don't know. He was 215. It's still not light, but, you know, yeah. I thought he was going to be 220, 225. He, but here's the thing. We all thought he was 225 because he's trucking fools in college, just like he's 250 pounds. I mean, Dude runs through people. Uh, led the led the nation and 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 uh, you know uh, tackles evaded and 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 broken tackles per per touch. Like he was just a monster out there and and uh, you know rushed for almost eight yards a carry. Had twenty two total touchdowns. Splitting time with Michael Carter. Um, he just looks really really good. The only thing that I didn't love was his forty time, which is up around a four six, which. You just love to be a little bit lower, somewhere in the four or five range. I mean, I know that's uh, splitting hairs, but it does. You know, obviously, running a four 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 five opens the door to you being this sort of Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor level player. Which, look that 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 room, that VIP office, that you know that wing of the of the pantheon is is not available to him. He's going to have to do it in another way. You know, a lot of people comped him to Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch ran four four five like. You know, it's it's just not where he's at. You know, Cam Akers yeah. ran four four five. DeAndre Swift ran four four five. Like all these players that we wished he was, uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins. You know, all these guys. He's a little slower than that, but I think he's going to win in a lot of a lot of great ways. He's a good receiver. So I mean, I'm rambling, but I absolutely love Javante Williams, and and I think that you know, for those and some of uh, some of us do. I I don't know if I have him at RB one. Obviously. For you, it's Najee, and I don't blame you, oh, by the way. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's like so. So let's touch on Najee while we're here. We're going to get to it with the with the Steelers a little bit, but you know, you know, we're going to talk about the Steelers. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my Steelers uh, trepidation, but 
what do you think about Najee? Do you think he's going to see you know 300 touches in this offense? I mean, I, I'm projecting a workhorse. What do you, what do you think? He is going to be the workout horse, 110%. We are going to get fully back to the healthiest of running games we can ever get to with this guy. I will say it on Javante Williams just for a second. Please. I mean, even if he's not, if even even he's not the fastest guy, if he's got that ability to break tackles and to continue the play, to me that's far more valuable in the red zone when you're get, uh, getting at the yes. twenty than having that speed because I need you to be able to push through people. So if you can push through people, that's an extra X factor on that player that I would rather have than that speed because that also shows me that he can hit smart which not all players can do, especially young ones. They they can't always do that. They always end up getting hurt because they just don't know how to do that. But if he knows how to go and not just find the hole, but also find the weak defensive player to hit through, that's a huge upside and a huge star for me on on his card and why he would jump up rankings for me. Yeah, and before you, my, before you before you go to Najee, you're absolutely right. And, and yeah. the comp that that you would probably look to that I looked to was uh, Kareem Hunt, who mm-hmm. who had who, who played very similar to uh, to Javante. You know, tackle breaker and has that amazing contact balance. Is able to to withstand contact, keep going. Does also run that four six. So that's the type of player I think we're seeing. And I think you're absolutely right. He's uh, it's a very valuable skill set, no doubt. Definitely a valuable skill set that people shouldn't uh, miss out on just because he went a little bit later, um, and that's what a lot of people do. You know, the like you were saying, the the anal- the people that play fantasy that are just kind of watching TV and seeing, oh, well, they're talking about this guy a lot, so I'm just going to write his name down. These are the names that you should be writing down, um, that you should be looking for later in drafts that are going to fall, and not everyone's going to see. But back to my new favorite person in the world, which is Najee Harris. I will tell you, when we drafted him, I was doing a live show and I was on with a couple of guys and I was like, guys, you guys are gonna have to take over for a minute because I'm on the clock and if we don't take Najee Harris, I'm gonna lose my mind. So I had to mute the mic and I was just pacing. I could see them laughing at me going back and forth like on the live show, on the live stream on Twitter and I'm just having a full conniption and all of a sudden we took him and I was just like just basket case of emotions I was so freaking excited yes do we have offensive line issues we do we need to fix those however we desperately need a really good running back and if you can have someone that is a body like Najee Harris yes please all day all day all day all day like he is going to be huge for us if you just look at even not even a full minute of tape on the guy, you're going to fall in love. He can do so many different things for us. And he's going to be the perfect back that can be, you know, the grinded out every down back, but also open up things in the field when, you know, he needs to get a pass. He can just do so much because he's that physical guy, that physical presence. I'm sweating. I'm so excited. Like he is, he's going to have a huge number of carries. He's going to have a huge number of attempts, high rush. He's going to get a lot of passes as well. Cause crying out loud, we're the Steelers. We like to throw it. Like we kind of do like, that's what we do all the time. So give me a running back that can also catch the ball and can move around in space. I'm just too excited. I'll stop now. So I don't know if I can do this folks. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> yes, you can. Say all the good things you want to about Najee Harris. Oh, no. I know I lo- you love no, I him. love Najee. I love great. Najee. He's great. I can. I, oh, if we stay on Najee Harris, I'm good. Najee Harris is great. Um, he's a little bit of a black box as the Alabama players. None of them tested. So we don't know exactly, you know, 
how elite he is in terms of athleticism. So we're not sure exactly what we've got. We've heard comps to Matt Forte, this, that, and the other. But we just have no idea. We we know he played in a very uh, advantageous situation in Alabama and showed out. Uh, we know that he's an outstanding uh, receiver. We've seen him. We've seen that on film. We've seen that in the numbers. So we know he's a good receiver. Um, we know he's a powerful back. We know he's, he's got amazing feet for his size. The feet are the thing that I think is unbelievable. I mean, his, his sort of agility, um, you know, in space as well as mm-hmm. in tight spaces, absolutely un- incredible. It's the quick feet that you love. These When you look at rookie feet like that, and you guys are watching tape, and it's something you should definitely look at, but you can watch someone do a stutter step that's not finding the next place removed, but finding quicksand and getting stuck. This guy David is confident with Sorry. his feet. He is confident with his feet. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I had to throw that in there for Beezy. I don't even, I don't know why I did that. I love you, Beezy. Uh, but, you know, you're right. And and the negatives are he's already 23 years old. We don't know a few things about him. He didn't break out until later, yada, yada. Okay, there's some negatives. But really, the, the, the negative, if I'm looking at him in Pittsburgh, you said it. You alluded to it, and it's a big, big problem. And it's my big problem with the Steelers is the offensive line. Uh, I didn't love the Najee Harris pick because of that. However, I felt like, okay, if you take Najee Harris, you can't then also draft Pat Frymuth. You have to go get yourself a, a tackle there. I think Liam Eikenberg was on the on the board. There were some other tackles. I think Sam Cosby was there. Like, you just need to go get yourself a tackle. Like, what the fuck? You just draft Najee. Well, then draft the Najee accessories, which are fucking we due to taken, knock, knock people yes. out of the, you know, out of the way. Like, we just get your Najee other- accessories. We we got a guard. We got other players. There's a couple things in there that they didn't ignore it completely. They just should, didn't take them higher. So to me, what that says is because Steelers, I, similar to the Patriots, I'll give you guys this as well. They are really good at scouting guys. They're really good at going and finding great value because they're not going to want to overpay on something that they don't need to. They're going to go and get something that's going to work with their plan. And that's not what every team does. They go out and they get the big guy to just be the big guy and go and fill the spot. But if they can find a guy that can fill in a a small need that they have because they've got other things, that's what they're going to go for. So they did get a couple guys and they've made some signings in the off season. Um, And they did, you know, get rid of someone that I don't want to talk about because it makes me sad. But, um, you know, we are working on it. It's a work in progress. It will get better. And then to me, that's the thing that I have more confidence in the Steelers. They're actively working to fix it versus other teams that are not so much doing that. Like, I still wonder what the Broncos are doing. I know you're a Steelers fan. And, you know, but I'm going to say this. My my esteemed colleague, Mr. Brad Wire, has, you know, the uh, Broncos as the 13th ranked offensive line in the NFL and the Steelers as the 32nd ranked offensive well, line in the NFL. Well, that's just mean. It might be mean, but he didn't do this because of you. Because actually, I don't even, I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy this at all. I, I will tell you that there's a lot of things I like about the Steelers, but I have been fading them a little bit here because of the offensive line. And one of the things I put on the show sheet for you, and one of the reasons that I think this is an issue is, you mentioned it, Big Ben. Big Ben at one point actually was pretty nimble back there, and I, mm-hmm. one of the things that was underrated was how he would extend plays. 
with his strength and then with mm-hmm. his, you know, m- mediocre athleticism, but good enough is what I mean. Like he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't uh, lumbering back there. I mean, he's big, but so he looked lumbering, but he actually could move a bit and yeah. make some secondary plays after the play broke down. Mm-hmm. Look, he ain't that no more. You know, now he's nearly 40 years old. He just had shoulder surgery or whatever. Was it shoulder or elbow? You know, arm surgery uh, yeah. on a throwing arm that, you know, didn't didn't really throw it effectively down the field last year behind now a bottom half or the worst possible offensive line, whichever way you want to see it, um, you know, but certainly not good. And I wonder over under 15 and a half games started for Ben Roethlisberger, you got to bet your life. Which way are you going, over or under? My life? I've got to yeah. bet my life on getting 15 and a half starts out of Ben? So, under. Yeah. Under. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like under. I'm going to go with 14. <laughs> sounds 14 like under. No, but it's right? realistic, like, it's though. Like... Ben, ben, ben is that guy, like, he will play with multiple broken ribs, a He's broken foot. He's tough as fuck broken fingers he's playing yes. with a half broken body and yes. completed passes so lumbering yes he does do that when he's playing with a boot and a f- shoe that's three times bigger than his normal shoe because he's got a cast on underneath he will play that way i'll give you this this he, is a good take he is definitely he's tough as fuck yeah like if you're a lord of the rings person like and you're looking at different types of things he's not like an ogre he's not like anyone he's an ent which is just a giant tree that slowly moves but gets you there in the end like he's just one of those guys um great game of thrones reference reference. that is fantastic (laughs) um but yeah so he's that guy my other thing that i've had to you know i've had to come to terms with have therapy moments like cathartic yellings into the woods but then you know, coming to terms with and doing some prayer is the Steelers thought process in their future quarterback. Yeah. Cause obviously that needed to be addressed yep. and they went and they signed Dwayne Haskins, which did I scream into a pillow a couple nights in a row? Yes, I did. <laughs> to be completely honest, it was very upsetting, but what I do have full confidence in, and I will not waver in this as long as I'm a Steelers fan, I don't care what happens is I have confidence in Mike Tomlin and what he can do with a locker room, what he can do with different athletes on his team. He can always get the best out of his guys. And I think that Dwayne Haskins is a guy that needs a coach like Mike Tomlin to get the best out of him. So I think coaching under him, we can make him into the stealer we need him to be because he needs a team that's going to want to invest in him. I mean, I, I I feel bad when you see these players, they just kind of get put into situations where like, no, start, you're going to be fine. And he's like, cool, I've never swum with sharks before. This is different. Like, that's kind of what I feel like Haskins had to deal with before. He's going to have time to sit behind <laughs> Ben to learn from the best at what Ben did and also bring his own skill set that he has. He does have the ability to rush. He does have the ability to scramble. He's just never had the opportunity to do that and grow and be successful with it. So I have hopes and full confidence that Tomlin is going to be able to do something with him as a project on the games that we don't have Ben because he's got a broken hand or something crazy. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Holt. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Holt. That was awesome. I love how you took the thing I was saying about the offensive line and Ben getting, excuse me, beat up, and you just turned it into a, you know, Mike Tom. It was awesome. That was, yeah. Oh, that was also low key. If you're looking at um, tape on Pat Fryermuth, and I know I'm going to butcher his name all season, I'll figure it out by the end of the year. 
but he's also amazing at being a good blocker. Yeah. So he's not he's a great the red zone tight end. He is not the late round Scott Fishbowl tight end you want. He's not. He is a big dude. He's going to help push. So they also looked at those different skill sets in those draft picks. So that's other things that give me confidence in players being able to open up the field for Najee Harris. Plus, I think the defense has other things to do and cover. I think it's Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Chase Claypool that they ought to worry about covering as yeah, well. Yeah, five yards off the line. Yeah, but I mean, there's still Sorry. plenty of other guys. Ben can throw it quick enough yeah. that they're going to have to leave someone open. And if you've got these amazing guys, these four guys open, come on, someone's going to get the ball. Honestly, this team is super targets. close to being completely dope right so yeah. like the defense is really really good yeah the, the the weapons as you point out juju Deontay, and chase claypool are really good the tight end room is pretty good i mean ebron is actually a mm-hmm. pretty talented player Fryermuth yep. behind him really good like now you have Najee, totally dope ben is a very accomplished player who really knows what the hell he's doing out there i my concerns are shitty offensive line old quarterback who's been broken before. Like that's my only sort of problem with it. Right. Like it's like, you know, did we see the best of Ben Roethlisberger two years ago? And like last year is not like, it's, it's that or worse. Like that's the, that's the problem. If it's that or worse, you guys are, you know, I say you guys like you're, you know, no, it's me and my guys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the locker room too. I'm definitely in there. Um, and, And I give you a lot of credit for like, quote unquote defending because I would be on, I'll be honest. Like I'm not the, I'm a, I'm not this, like I was calling for the Pat's demise. Not totally like, you know, but like, I'm always a little bit skeptical, like, Oh my God, we don't have this or whatever. I I'm, I'm a worry wart, you know, I'm, I'm always like, Oh shit. You know? So, <clears throat> you know, I get it. Like, but you know, your, your confidence is, is strong. So I, you know, it sounds like you're, you're a little concerned about the Ben thing because, but yeah. like, you kind of said something like, Dwayne Haskins is going to be all right. Like you don't say that. That's, that's, I mean, okay. If he has to play in week 14, because Ben is just needing a rest day, I'm yeah, not super worried about it. Cause we've right. won other games with freaking duck Hodges. Like yes. we've been able to win games that we shouldn't have won because of the type of coach that we have. Like yeah, that's, that's right. just, and the type of assets that we have. Yes. Defense, having yes. A, a crappy offensive line isn't good, but we also have players that are going to show up and do other things outside of their norm to help out. Folks, so, she's winning me over. This is, this is confidence it. over here. Get Holy to this side. Shit. Like it's going to be okay. It's Watch gonna this. Happen. I'm going to ask the next question. Watch this. Pittsburgh Steelers over under wins in oh. Vegas right now is eight and a half. Over. Over. Easy over. Crying out loud. That's love just this girl. This is easy. so good. No fucking fear. I love it. None. It's my team. I, I have full confidence in my guys. I mean, the other thing, too, with last year, obviously, it was a really bizarre season because it was the COVID season. And I feel like maybe it's biased opinion, but I feel like the Steelers were shafted on games because someone else's team had to go out, but then somehow we still ended up playing and then it just didn't make sense. And then when we were supposed to have our bye week, we didn't have our bye week. So we had tired players with a 13 game winning streak that were just like, can we, we're good with losing one guys. Can we just, it's, can we just lose one? We're all exhausted. So we ran our team into the ground early last year 
because of all of this nonsense of delayed games and stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. So if we can get a normal plan scheduled season that we're ready for and we know what we're getting into, I have even more confidence. Let me just ask you, as a fan of a team, could you imagine being 18 and 0 mm-hmm. with the greatest quarterback of all time throwing 50 touchdowns to the greatest receiver of all time and losing to fucking Eli Manning 17 to 14 in the Super Bowl? Could you imagine that? Do you still cry about it? I mean, it's a it, honestly it was it was a problem. That was that one was tough. Like, you know, nobody wants to hear a Patriots fan or a New England or a Boston fan ever complain about anything cuz like, you know, it's it's a it's a bad look. But yeah. like I will tell you, that was one of the worst sports losses of my life too. I was living in California and it was a fucking coronation. Like I normally don't like to have Super Bowl parties because, you know, for the Patriots if they're playing because like if they lose sure. or whatever, you know, but it's I was like, like throwing your own birthday party. Like yes. Twice. I was like fucking party it up. Like I don't give a shit. And of course yeah. I'm with all these California people, my friends out here who like could give a shit about it. And so like, they're like having a, it's fucking California. It's like 80 degrees. Like the, the doors are open. Like we're just, it's just fun and party. And like, I'm sitting on a, on a couch or a, an ottoman in front of the fucking game. Like, watching this happen and it was like everybody everybody around me was blurry and just the just the me and the tv were like this one thing and it was all loud and i was this one quiet like fucking chant like channeling the game just to my brain watching it mm-hmm. and and then it happened and and actually that nobody well we all remember some people remember tom threw a ball to randy moss with like nine seconds left that traveled like 72 yards in the air that missed Randy Moss's fingertips by like a millimeter. Like he basically should have had it. I don't even know. Like he should he have dove. Like, I don't know, man. He nearly won the game with the most incredible bomb, like hail Mary. It wasn't even a hail Mary. It was just a go route where he had him through it. I, I don't know. Yeah. It bothers me. That one bothered me, man. That was a tough one. I remember, uh, Tom Brady was in the, in the, uh, you know, the, the, media media Tuesday or whatever. And someone asked him, uh, Plaxico Burris said something like, we're going to beat him uh, 21-17. And then uh, the, the the reporter told Tom and, and he said, but we're going to score 17? And he laughed. And I was like, oh shit, don't do that, bro. Don't do that. And sure enough, they scored fucking 14 points, a team that had scored, you know, just 30 to 40 points every single game. Yeah, hurts a little bit still. <laughs> well... I mean, there's always next year. Oh wait, you don't have Tom Brady anymore. I don't Tampa feel bad. Tampa Bay Bucks, that. You guys, baby, you all have, 22. You have plenty of rings to fall back on, yeah, we and do. it's it's the same argument I get from people where I'm like, oh man, that sucks, and they're like, well, you've won so many championships, give some one to someone else. No, I'm always going to be competitive. Yeah. I'm always going to want to win, so I don't care. I also get that. I mean, it would be better if you have a court if you had a full team that could stand on all their legs. That'd be great. But I've got that right now. So it, I've just got a couple of things that are knocking me, like an old quarterback and a weak offensive line. But everybody else is good. It's a bad combo. <laughs> I'm so nervous for that part. Like, I That'd guess what's going to happen is you're, you're just going to be watching the games. Like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of that for you. I yeah. just, I that's my fear with that team and. You know, do you talk about Detroit? I mean, excuse me, Baltimore. That defense is the defense not, is brutal. The, 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 right? It is a problem that the Cleveland. whole division is very, very strong. The whole deep, the whole division is getting stronger. I mean, Cincinnati I mean, still kind of sucks, but Cleveland and Baltimore's yeah, defense is like a problem. 
they're all problems. They absolutely are. And you know? it's a brutal, brutal division. But, you know, when when you guys are watching the game and you're thinking, geez, the Steelers are really going to have a tough time, you're going to see this, like, screaming small 5'5", five, five, someone that's stolen a jersey and that's just, like, tackling people from the side. Who the hell is that crazy person? Oh, shit, Sam got on TV. Cool. Like, so we'll find other people that can jump in where we need to. Get and him, we Sam. we will get the job done. Get I will him, go Sam. Get him. I mean, all five, five, one thirty-five of me will tackle whoever I can. <laughs> I I know right now there are you know tens of listeners who are now converting to being you know tacit Steeler fans just in your honor. Uh, that's how Thank that's you. how strong yeah. an argument you made. And come to uh, this side, people. It's okay. The water <laughs> is fine. I, you know, I was going to ask. Uh, we'll move off the Steelers. I think you did an outstanding job defending Thank your you. team. I feel like you should like honestly. That should be. You should be working PR for the fucking Steelers. That was that was brilliantly done. I think you, you can do it. I mean, I was throwing some tough ones at you, and, and you just deflected them all. One last one on Steelers I want to talk about before we get before we move on was you mentioned the three receivers, and and I've been fading them at cost, not because I don't like them. It's because I do like them. But then the offensive line, a little bit more running, you know, Ben's arm, Ben's health, mm-hmm. like, and then all three of them existing at the same time. I'm not sure which one excels, which one doesn't, but I think I I, I uh, shared it with you. It was like uh, uh, DJ had like 145, um, you know, Juju had 130, and uh, Claypool had 110 targets or something like that. It was like 144, 128, 109, I think I'm serving from memory. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's great, but we can't be guaranteed that any of those three are going to see that many this year. In other words, one of them might get more, but – it's uh that's a lot of targets uh to divvy up so to speak what are your thoughts about that and and do you do you prefer one over the other or think someone's going to really stand out or what are your thoughts on the on those three receivers going forward my thoughts on them are if you're someone that doesn't like a wide receiver with a floor of a, of at least 100 targets then you're in the you're in the playing the wrong sport you don't seem to really enjoy watching football because they're definitely going to each hit these same targets again they're absolutely going to hit it again like i'm going to reiterate the steelers had a crazy year last year we all all the teams did they all to deal with covid and the games the way that they did but there is still volume there tomlin's whole game scheme is not going to change the thing that we were missing and hurting last year was the running game and every time we needed to lean on that, we couldn't. And so when we have someone like Najee Harris, who's also going to be that for us, he's going to take that pressure off and help those guys get open, help them to open up the field for everything. And Ben's great at seeing those guys and hitting them. Am I a little bit lower on someone like DJ who likes to drop the ball? A little bit, because don't drop the ball. This is your job. Don't drop the ball. Um, So I'm hopeful for Juju to have a resurgence this year because he plays better when he is sought seen as the wide receiver too. And he is just a great presence to have in the locker room. I love that he had other opportunities to sign with other teams for more money. And he chose to stay with the Steelers one more time. I know that salary caps are changing the following year. So he's banking on that. But I also appreciate that this is a guy who is a loyal to his team because he wants to work with these guys. He's already built something and he wants to see it through. Chase Claypool is an insane talent. I love that we have him as that deep red zone threat who's going to keep opening it up. So if he stays lower on targets, but higher in red zone targets in terms of getting those touchdowns, I'm fine with that because you're still going to have a great floor with all three receivers. 
I see them going about the same places too, like kind of what we saw before with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup going like one and two behind each other in certain drafts. That's going to happen with a lot of these Steelers. I keep seeing them getting clumped together in different drafts and kind of falling all around the same places, but there's a great floor with each of them. You're going to have a high amount of yards, a good amount of targets, and each of them is going to finish with a minimum of six touchdowns each. I'm thinking it's more going to be closer to like eight, 10, and 12. Who that's going to go to, still not quite sure how that's going to go, but I think it's going to be lower for DJ just because the drops. Don't drop my ball. Don't do it. If I was the one of the if I was the wide receiver coach, I would whack his hands every single time he came back and didn't catch the ball. I'd be like, no, go sit down. Like that's how I would t- treat that. Like, don't drop the ball. <laughs> Sam Holt looking for a coaching gig, wide receiver specialist on the sidelines in Pittsburgh games with a with like a a, a ping pong paddle that she's gonna smack those those hands. That's a very no. interesting uh idea. It's like a I no like soup it. for you. No, no soup for you. I like it. Yeah. They deserve to be punished. I think you're you're onto something. <laughs> Punishment. Thank you. No problem. Um, mo- moving on, I was going to ask you a couple questions about who you preferred in Dynasty with some of the rookies. You you mentioned that you kind of um, you know have an affinity for a few rookies. I thought I'd put you to the test, and the first one's easy. I already know what you're going to say now because I've already talked to you about it. But I still would like to get your thoughts on a player that I think we are all fairly high on, and that was going to be. Would you prefer, and this is again in Dynasty, we're talking Dynasty, who would you rather have, um, Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman? Uh, I already think I know the answer, but tell us the yeah. answer and why. It's It's got to be Elijah Moore, and I think that's just basically going to be the floor of receptions and targets that I see for Bateman. I just don't see them being that high because I was doing a a podcast a little bit ago where we were comparing all the AFC teams, uh, the North teams, and seeing how targets were split up across all the different offenses. Of course, it's always fun to look at the Steelers because the targets are super high. And then you move over to the Ravens. It's like, where do all the targets go? What happened? I'm like, does it not throw their ball here? Oh, oh no, they don't really throw their ball here very much. So it's kind of this awkward moment where you're like looking for targets and where are they going? And that's just not happening right now. So I'd rather put more confidence in a team that's going to be throwing a lot and they have to throw a lot. And that's going to be Elijah Moore. So I just have a slightly higher floor in terms of what to expect of him by the end of the season this year, just based on the landing spot. Yeah. And, and I, I'm a, I'm an Elijah Moore fan. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Randall Kennedy had, Elijah Moore as is like WR2, the very start of the process. And it sort of made me think that I should be paying more attention. And I kept moving him up and up and up. And and then, you know, the dynasty community, the fantasy community, and seemingly everybody started to get really excited about Elijah Moore. Um, and now it's uh, it's not cool to be an Elijah Moore fan anymore. You know, we've already jumped the shark. I'm not worried shark. about being cool or not. I'm wearing yeah. a Star Wars t-shirt and I've yes. already referenced Lord of the Rings. So I think we're not really worried about how, me being cool over here. My five-year-old <laughs> son today told me um, Star Wars is my favorite TV show by far. So he's totally in with you. Um, Love it. Yeah, I am sun drenched and, uh, you know, I was at the water park with my two kids uh, for the last two days. A lot of fun. So I'm completely uh, delirious, dehydrated and uh, sunburned, but it's it's fun. Um, But uh, Elijah Moore, you know, I I loved Elijah Moore when it wasn't cool to love Elijah Moore. But, you know, look, there's some issues in, in in New York as well with, you know, I don't know, you know, that there's too many mouths to feed necessarily, but there's five wide receivers of consequence who are going to, you know, 
who knows who's going to step to the head of that class. I mean, Corey Davis, they paid money to. They somehow restructured uh, Crowder and kept him, which I thought was kind of interesting because I felt like, you know, that's the Elijah Moore spot. So you almost rather get rid of his ass, trade him and or whatever, cut him, whatever, because, you know, now unless they're trying to groom him, I don't know. It's just an interesting spot for Jamison Crowder to still be there, especially with Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims, who someone's going to be on the outside looking in for targets. I don't think it's going to be Elijah Moore, but I guess what I'm saying is it could be a little bit more spread around than we'd like to see for him in year one, although I do think talent wins out. And that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, I would have a hard time with that that choice, Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman in uh, in Dynasty. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely getting close, one. but I think, they, like you said, they have a lot of work to do in New York, and I think that Wilson's going to have to throw a ton he's just gonna have to throw a ton and it's gonna be whoever he finds a connection with and i think that that's still tbd and why would why can't it be elijah moore he's a very talented receiver and i feel like you know if you have that kind of rookie rapport hey you know we're both new here do you want to you want to go get lunch like that that kind of rapport (laughs) i feel like you have potential there um and yes they did pay Corey davis money but ultimately Zach Wilson has to figure out who's going to be there, who's he going to have confidence in and throwing the ball to. And that's still up for decision. So I'd rather kind of roll the dice in something brand new that we don't really know what we're going to get than a receiving core that I know it's going to be hard for him to have success at targets. No, it's fair. Um, I'm going to hit another one. So there's, there's the three sort of running backs that we see at the top always in rookie drafts and, and in redraft now too, which is Javante, Etienne and Najee. We sort of talked about them a little bit, but then it's like this sort of wide receiver, you know, uh, land where, you know, Bateman and Moore and all these guys get taken, Devontae Smith, et cetera. And then there's these two running backs that are sitting there that seemingly always go, you know, back to back or very close to one another or, you know, whatever. They're the next two almost always taken after the top three. And it's Michael Carter and Trey Sermon. Um, and I, I think I know where I'm at, <clears throat> excuse me, on these two now, but um, I'm kind of curious where you're at. Who do you prefer and why? I think I give a slight edge to just to Carter. I feel like I just like his style of play just a little bit more. I just like his power a little bit more than Sermon. I mean, there's a reason they go back to back. It's just cutting close and we're splitting hairs between two running backs that are going to have to prove themselves in order to be the main guy. They, they haven't won the locker room outright in their current situations. Could they? Sure. They absolutely could. But when you're comparing them to the other ones we just talked about, that they have a very clear, obvious path to RB1, it gets a lot harder. Michael Carter uh, smells a little bit like Daryl Henderson to me. And I'm not sure if I like that odor. Um, you know, it's just like, it's an interesting musk. I'll give you that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I'm, I'm, it's weird. This is a video podcast. Like there's no, I don't know how you smell, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but the Trey Sermon thing, like you, you have to do a lot of sort of excuse making and explaining away why he transferred, why he didn't play here, why he didn't play, you know, whoa. but when you strip all that away and if you just look at when he did play, he was kind of dope. Um, you know, he was really good this past year, obviously, it, you know, it, it, toward the end of the season in a couple of games and a couple of spots that were, you know, especially against Northwestern was amazing. So I, I love the San Francisco running back. If that were a thing, if you could just 
take the San Francisco running back. Unfortunately, the San Francisco running back is seemingly always someone else or it's a couple of different guys or like the you know, magic eight ball. When you shake it, you don't really know what answer you're going to get. And sometimes you keep getting asked again later. Yeah. That's kind of the running back situation for the Niners. It is. And, but you know, we saw Carlos Hyde kind of become a guy there and he's not very good in my opinion. And, you know, uh, amongst others and, you know, whether it was Matt Breida, um, we've seen success. I mean, these guys have all had success and uh, you know, last year I famously faded uh, Raheem Mostert where everybody was telling me I was crazy. And of course that was uh dino game theory. Good job, buddy. But, um, <laughs> but I think I'm going to do it again with Raheem Mostert. And I think that's why I, I'm going to prefer uh, Trey Sermon. You know, Jeff Wilson's already hurt. Um, uh, uh, McKinnon is gone. Breed is gone. You know, it's like J. Michael Hasty, Raheem uh, uh, yeah, Mostert. Um, I, everybody knows I love Elijah Mitchell, but he's not, you know, um, going to play ahead of Trey Sermon. That's just the way that is. So I think Trey Sermon's going to get a chance. And if he gets a chance, it's like everybody succeeds. So I'm really confident that he'll succeed because everybody fucking does. And he's yeah. good enough that he's shown. I, I just don't know why he didn't, you know, my fear is that he won't be able to hold up and play 16, 17 games of, you know, high usage just because he has never done that in the past. But other than that, I think he's going to, I think he's going to play and play well. And, and, and Michael Carter, I fear is going to be a little bit of a, you know, a, 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 a committee back, if you will. I don't mean to say that. Sure. derogatory. No, I mean, uh, you're, you're edging with the team that is historically a run, run heavy team when they've got a running back that's healthy. He's the guy that week in week out. But for me, it's been still too much of a mixed bag as to who is the guy. Like, sure, he could be the guy that week, but is he going to be starting for you that week when he goes off? Probably not. And then when you play in the following week, is he going to go off again? Maybe not. So, like, to me, it's kind of maybe in best ball, I would have him just a little bit higher as an option for myself. Dynasty, it would be interesting to see how he shapes out later. I mean, if you miss out on Carter and you end up with Sermon, totally fine. Um, definitely would want to get at least one of these guys though, just to see how one of them plays out. He, they're a good dart throw running back to see like potential, the potentials there. Either one of them can make things happen for themselves based on the scheme that they're in. I just, I'm not super confident in the consistency for sermon. Yeah. And I haven't gotten either one of them at all because I'm always taking all of these guys ahead of them, which is Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, Devontae Smith. If I'm forgetting anybody, I take that whole that whole group of wide receivers, uh, even Rondell Moore um, ahead of them. So I've been taking that group of wide receivers ahead of Trey Sermon and Michael Carter. And in a lot of cases where I was going to have that decision to take them, where, you know, when I'm in that sort of mid-second round, Someone else has taken them already, and I'm left with one of the receivers that I just mentioned. So even when I'm like, okay, I'm going to have my decision. I'm going to have to make this sermon and Carter go ahead of where I'm picking anyway, and I don't trade up to get them because I'm not that excited. I'm ready to take them. I'm ready to make that choice, and it gets made for me in every draft. So I really haven't had that choice to be made. Um, So it's kind of interesting, Um, but here we are. You know, while we're at it, uh, Alabama receivers, Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith. I know it wasn't on the show sheet, but 
you know. That wasn't on the list. If it's not on, on the, the prompter, I can't read it. Um, <laughs> full on Ron Burgundy. No. Um, <laughs> no yes, I, good I, job. I'm, I really love Devonta Smith. So, I mean, he's just an insanely talented receiver. I, I It's fine. Lent, it's fine. He's too talented to not be successful. Um, so I'm I looking to forward agree. to him. I tend to agree. I, I tend to agree. I think I think uh, much to do about nothing, uh, the weight issue. Um, oh, come on. They'll be yeah. fine. Everyone keeps saying Lamar Jackson yeah. is like too skinny. He's fine. Yeah. He is just fine. He'll be fine. Uh, I don't know. Do you... <laughs> Another great. Sorry, I, I'm all. I'm all. I only speak in movie references. But do you this remember in the replacements how they had a Welsh kicker? <laughs> yes. And how he's, they were. He's like, is he in shape? Oh yeah, yeah. He's in fit to Welsh standards, and he comes out, and he obviously he just looks like a guy that just walked out of a pub because he is. And then he's like, I thought you said he was pure muscle. And he says, Yes, I'm wiry. I'm a wiry. I'm, <laughs> and wiry. It, Whitey, it's whitey. So there's a wiry strength. So yeah, you can be skinny and be strong, hopefully stronger than that guy. But like these guys are all built very differently. So the weight thing isn't an issue to me. It's just how are they going to compensate for that weight when someone else is big hitting them? And it's going to be with speed. It's going to be with footwork. And this guy has that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm look at that. Perfect take. <clears throat> so you mentioned Zach Wilson. <clears throat> I am a Patriots fan. I got myself really? I got myself a little Mac Jones and in perfect uh you know I had mentioned I'm a, I'm a skeptic I am very skeptical of everything we're ever doing and I'm I'm not like oh Mac Jones way better I I maybe a little bit but I'm not so sure tell me Zach Wilson or Mac Jones in dynasty who you got uh Mac Jones or Zach Wilson oh. um I know that we're supposed to end this show friends and like, yes. you know, amicable, you know, peer acquaintances and, you know. I've got skin like a terms. rhinoceros. You can't hurt me. I want to hear it. Go for it. So- no. <laughs> no to your Mac Jones. I'm sorry, but no. Okay. It's, Tell me it's, why. It's hard pass. Um, I think he, didn't he have to wear Spanx at the draft? Yeah. Like, those talk are- about a guy who's just not... He's not ready. I mean, maybe he'll be ready when he works through whatever he needs to work through. And maybe he's going to look great in the cutoff sweaters that he's going to borrow from your coach. And, you know, they'll just like line up and just look like twins. But I'm just more excited about Zach Wilson. I think that he is going to be an answer for the Jets that they need. And the Jets desperately need to make something work because they haven't been making it work for a long time. But they went out and they had a really good draft. They've got a lot of different pieces for him and they're ready to go now. They're ready to go right now. I don't think Mac Jones is ready to go right now. So I'm going to say, you know, now you got me backed into a core. I'm coming out swinging. Uh, Zach Wilson has bust written all over him, in my opinion. Is it the haircut? Is it the haircut? I mean, he does have a very punchable face, doesn't he? He does have a very punchable face. He does have. He's the he is movie reference. I mean, he is the villain in every like rom-com, right? He is. Yeah, he's going to try and steal your girlfriend. Right. He's going to he's going to be like he's going to be so handsome and cute. And then Mm -hmm. he's going to be like. And then have he's going to cheat like, on you. Like he's going to have this plan, like this evil plan, right? Like mm-hmm. where it's like he was just in it for like your dad's money or something, like right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's he just, just wanted to run to the steal company. The Jaguar dealership. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ah, I get it. I get it. Punchable yeah, face. Sure. That's him, right? Whereas Mac Jones is going to be the the dido dido. He's going to come in and save the day and like get the girl. Like it's going to happen. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, hashtag analysis. Hey, if we're just going based off of. 
that alone, I, I, I get it. I agree. You know, if, if you want the funny guy that's just going to be there for you, he's holding your purse. Yeah. Like, yeah, then that's Mac Jones. It's not going to be Zach. It's not going to be prom king Zach Wilson. It's just not. Yeah, he took two girls to prom. I mean, this is not happening. Yeah, he's <laughs> out, man. He can't do this. So he's got the, the, the you know, Zach Wilson's mom situation to overcome. Mac Jones doesn't even have parents. He's an alien. Uh birthed from um tom brady's um dna is he a clone is he one of those clone, clone babies yes. is he part sheep too is that have you seen sweet tooth yes i love that show <laughs> how good is that that show is really good i just finished the last episode no spoilers here but no oh my spoiler because i've only one episode in i fell asleep on episode two just started you it yesterday sleep during shows we can't be friends i I'm don't a, i'm a dad anything. i know I, I i don't sleep because I don't even do but talk about football. So before I, I had I kids, I would sleep. Like I could stay up. No, not anymore. Now, yeah. I just I fall asleep immediately. It's crazy. I guess it, I'm it never. It may or may not happen like to you shows. down the line, but yeah, Sweet Tooth, really, really fucking outstanding show. So season really one, good. all good. Such such a good show. Every episode too. It's not like one of those ones where it's like, oh, cool, a throwaway episode. Every single one, you're like, what? A whole another thing happened. Oh my god! Like <laughs> I'm so what? Every single one, and then like, of course, like the way that the last three go, you're just like, no, what? Oh my god! I can't oh. wait. Like it's so good. It's so okay. Good. It sets itself up so well for season two. I'm just like, oh please. Well, this is great. So me. now you can go on a on a deep Google. Uh, search for Zach Wilson's mother videos and I'll go watch the rest of uh, season one of Sweet Tooth. I think that one of us is obviously going to have more fun than the other. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a fact. That is a fact. I'm going to delete my history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it feels dirty. You're like Zach Wilson's I know, I mom. Ooh, mouth. I want it. Yeah, like it's really bad. It's so bad. Good for you for never having typed that into the thing and still not having. You just scrolled down to the third most popular one. It's, it's so bad. crazy how quickly it popped up, though. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. They know you want Zach Wilson's mom. Google knows what you want, Sam. It's clear. <laughs> uh, so bad. on that note, you know, this was a great episode. I had a lot of fun. Let's wrap it up. Uh, you know, Michael may or may not cut some of that because we were ranting and raving and who knows? You never know how he goes. He's a, You he's might a, have to cut a, a mini episode of just like uh, why Sam is in love with Mike Tomlin and would give him one of her kidneys. Like that would just be like your microcosm episode as a part of all of this. I think that's I think that's fair. Um, that's how many show kidneys are we giving? Sam, like? Sam gives a kidney to Mike Tomlin. We have two kidneys, correct? Like you can afford one? one? Yeah, yeah, you have two, so I can give away one. Okay. Does he and need you can one actually or? regrow your liver, so I can give half my liver and then it'll just grow back. Like an octopus? Yeah, like an octopus leg. I'm, uh, some doctors listening to this and it's going to be like, wow, that is super wrong. Like that a hundred percent is not true. But like, I think I read that somewhere. So maybe it's true. No, no, go listen. Not a doctor. If you're ever looking for a show, it's, it's not, it's like the, what is it? The octopus teacher. Oh yeah. I got to watch that. I kept hearing good things about it. It's actually good. You'll, you'll enjoy it. I can tell like, you, you know, you're like a regular nice person. Like you'll enjoy it. I thought it was really outstanding. Um, so yeah, definitely watch it. It's uh, a, right. yeah, and, he, and she grows back an, a leg. 
I yeah. saw I saw her do it. I mean, it could have been CGI, but uh, I don't think so. It was a documentary. I'm sure that it sped up the tape, but lizards can grow back their tails too. It's the same type of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't try it with our legs and stuff like that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. No. No. Definitely frowned upon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, maybe Ben can grow a new arm. Maybe Ben? I mean, I thought he had his, like, completely replaced. I thought we ordered the Terminator edition. I think that he had the Skynet implant put inside his arm, so I think that it'll be fine. Technically, he did fine throwing last year. We just got tired and spent, so hopefully we can just keep it in the tank. Still get over the eight and a half wins just to, you know, F you Vegas. We're going to get those wins, but do it in a way that conserves him for playoffs, Ben. Like, I want playoffs, Ben. Sam Holt, so freaking likable, so much fun to have you on the show. This was honestly one of my most enjoyable shows. You were awesome. Uh, I know the listeners are just waiting for us to talk more about movies and uh, you know show titles. I think show titles are going to abound from this one. We have uh, we have a, a myriad of choices, and that's because of your creativity. But Sam, you're outstanding. Michael is going to make me sound like I can talk tonight. I can't talk. It's fucking very frustrating, but that's all right. Um, that's what the sun will do to you. Just so you know, the sun yeah, will take it'll make it you all. delirious. It'll it take does, man. I've mm-hmm. been fucking stupid all night, but you were great. You were smart. You were not stupid and delirious. So great, great Thank work. Um, tell the people where they can find you because I know that people are going to want to find you both on Twitter, which I already mentioned, but tell them what you're up to, where they can listen to you and where they can, uh, where they can catch you. Absolutely. Uh, guys, always tune in to new episodes of the Fantasy Debate with Sam and Tate. You are probably looking for new episodes, and we have been recording, but you're not finding them. And it's not a super secret, but we are moving and going to be doing something brand new. So keep an eye out on my Twitter, Samantha R. Holt, and on my co-host Twitter, Derek Tate. He's at Dtater4. We've got new things in the works. I can't talk too much about it. But we have a brand new network that we are joining. We are very excited about this. And as soon as it is fully announced, you will see it all over our feeds and our socials. um, And you will be able to get more episodes of the Fantasy Debate. And if you want to check out any of my previous interviews I've done with awesome people in the industry, I've gotten to interview Cynthia Freeland, uh, Matthew Berry, Field Yates, and some amazing people in the industry. Uh, Go over to YouTube and look up my show one-on-one with Sam Holt. And there's some fun stuff for you guys over there, too. That is awesome. Uh, I know I was checking out uh, some of your stuff before uh, this show. Wanted to kind of get a feel for what you were up to. And it's all great. It's so much fun. You bring a great energy. You know, it's something that I certainly try to do here. So uh, you were outstanding. And we thank you so much for coming on. And I know all of my uh, listeners are excited uh, to go check you out. And they will. Um, But uh, on behalf of everybody at The Undroppables, on behalf of everybody at The Undrafted, On behalf of my excellent, esteemed, amazing producer, Michael P. Duncan of Philadelphia Eagle Land. And on behalf of Sam Holt, I am Jax Falcone. Peace out.